Welcome to the Main Street Morsels podcast, sponsored by Main Street Pediatrics, located in Parker, Colorado, off of E-470 and Parker Road. Hi, good afternoon, and welcome to Main Street Morsels, our first podcast for Main Street Pediatrics. I'm Lori Phipps. I'm the owner of Main Street Pediatrics, which is located in Parker, Colorado. And with me today, I have our lactation expert, Dr. Megan. Um, and today, we're going to be talking about breastfeeding and lactation, because those are huge, huge issues for new parents. Absolutely. And even not so new parents, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, tell me a little bit about your expertise and your certification and what that all means. Yeah, so I am a pediatric nurse practitioner and a internationally board certified lactation consultant. And so I, you know, as the provider side of me, I can see the whole spectrum, right? All age groups, but my passion really lies with more of the newborns, infant feeding and supporting our breastfeeding mothers. That's great. And I know when we get new patients to our practice, um, one of the big draws for them is that we have you on our staff. So I'm very grateful that she's here with us. Um, what would you say is the number one piece of advice you can give to new moms that are wanting to breastfeed? Yeah, I mean, I think there's so much mom or parent shaming that happens in our society. And so the biggest thing that I always tell families is fed is best, right? And so the first question that I'll ask families during their feeding or lactation consult is what is your goals? So whether that's a time frame of how long we're planning on breastfeeding or providing breast milk for our child or what does it really look like, right? Do we want to be the exclusive breastfeeder? Do we want to be a combination feeder? So offering both formula and breast milk, or do we want to pump once a day so that way our significant other is able to offer a bottle? There's no perfect way of feeding, right? It has to fit into our schedule, into our family values. And so I, my job is really being able to take those goals that families are able to identify and then how do we get there? And I always tell families, it's okay if your goal changes, right? Like this is a whole new relationship yeah. that we're trying to form. And so we may start out with one goal goal and then it shifts to something else a couple months um, down the line or even it's a couple days in and so that's where it's really helpful to know that at the end of the day what matters the most is is our baby growing are they continuing to follow their percentiles and so I work a lot if you know this family is not my specific patient, but I'm involved in their care, working with their PCP about how is this child growing and then how are we kind of shifting our goals and our feeding strategies to make sure that they're fed and that they're growing. Yeah. I think a lot of moms during pregnancy kind of have this thought that breastfeeding is very natural and they're not going to have any problems and it's just going to be like bada bing bada boom and you're feeding your baby what's the real truth what's the real life experience for, yeah. for many for many moms yeah I mean I think if breastfeeding was that easy I would be out of a lactation job right um we oftentimes think that we have a certain body part to do certain things with and realistically it's 
again, like I said, it's a relationship. And so while breastfeeding is never supposed to be painful, it is a learning curve. And so it can be uncomfortable at points in time. And we have to figure out how that relationship works and how things are supposed to look. If you've never done something before, it's not something that you're going to get instantaneously. And if you do, kudos to you. But most people they don't. It, yeah. It's stressful. And I will even say from personal experience, I was a lactation consultant before having my son. And I still vividly remember sitting in that hospital room and tears coming down because there was one bad feed and my husband having to be like, Megan, mom side or put your mom hat aside and more so focus on what you would tell a family is one f- bad feeding going to ruin your breastfeeding right. journey. And absolutely not. But your hormones are going crazy and you have these societal pressures that it's hard. It's really, really hard. Do you feel like the hospital environment kind of pushes moms to breastfeed, breastfeed, breastfeed only and maybe don't offer as much support? Um, So then when they finally come to the clinic at day two or three, um, I think in my experience, we've had a lot of very traumatized moms because they feel like they've kind of like it's either breastfeed or nothing and they're struggling. What What's your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say it's one way or the other, right? Like they either shove breastfeeding on you, but then don't provide the support. And then if you're not getting it instantaneously, then it's like, well, then here's formula. And instead there's some other opportunities, right? Like, can we get mom starting to pump while using some donor breast milk? Right. Um, so that maybe that fits better with their, their feeding goals. But... Oftentimes in the hospital, they shove baby and mom together and are like, ta-da, this is how it's done. But they're not going home with you. Like, they can't shove the two together every time. And so it is, you know, they develop a little bit of PTSD from it. So then by the time they're coming for that newborn exam or they come for their first lactation consult, they're like, I'm so stressed. Like, I don't know that I want to do this. This is does not seem enjoyable. I'm so stressed out on how often my baby needs to feed. And so um, I think that's definitely somewhere that our hospitals have room to grow. But I think that also creates a really great opportunity for these primary care providers to be able to offer that support. And that's something that I feel very fortunate that our our practice does so well. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, Do you think it's important for new families, new moms and dads to have a breast pump? No. Okay, so tell me about that. So first off, insurance is required to um, supply you with a breast pump. But if you're not returning to work or you don't plan to be away from your child, you don't necessarily need a pump. It doesn't need to be on your newborn registry. Um, Now, I will say there is um, a certain component of mental health stress if you're not able to ever be away from your baby, but there's other ways for us to be able to get that expressed breast milk and provide it to our baby. So if we're a stay-at-home mom who plans on occasionally being away from our child, then we can use something like a Hakka that collects milk, and then we can put it in the freezer or in the fridge so that way our partner is able to offer that when we're away. But I don't think it's something that we need to immediately go out and buy, especially if we're not planning on going back to work. Okay. I think that's 
I like that idea. Um, so I think one problem I've heard from new moms, and not always new moms, um, is that they worry about their supply. And especially those first few days, um, you may not you may not have any breast milk right away, right? Um, so talk a little bit about that. And then even, you know, as things change over weeks and months, sometimes supplies can decrease. So how do you deal with those things and what, what advice do you give? Yeah, so long story short, supply and demand, right? If we want more supply, we need to provide more demand. So more stimulation and more stimulation can be through a variety of ways, right? It's either putting our baby to the breast more often for a longer period of time, but I'm not saying that with a newborn you want that non-nutritive or pacification at the breast where they're gonna be losing weight, right. um, but being able to, with those older kids, put them to the breast longer if they're willing, or with a pump that we put, if we're typically pumping for 10 to 15 minutes, let's bump it up to 20 to 25 minutes. Or there's even something called power pumping that we can do to try and increase our supply. Um, there is a lot of marketing towards lactation supplements or what are called galactagods. Yeah. <laughs> and um, galactagods are essentially like um, medications, herbs, even foods that are, the idea is to boost our supply. But a lot of times there are um, high concentrations of certain vitamins or minerals, which actually can be harmful if we have certain medical conditions or our infant has certain medical conditions. And so I would always recommend reaching out to your healthcare provider before we even think about starting any of those types of things. And really let's just focus on how do we stimulate our breast tissue with right. the pump or the baby to begin with? If we're stimulating too often, and this is what I found a lot more often, is women are actually going into oversupply because they're so worried about not having enough milk. But keep in mind, our body is only willing to give off so many vitamins and minerals um, or nutrition to our infant. They, you know, our bodies still want to hold on to some of that nutrients. And so we're just kind of diluting down that milk at yeah. a certain point. And that itself with oversupply can cause other issues for our infant. For dealing with undersupply, um, you know, that's kind of a different story. There's a bunch of things that we can do, but oversupply is really hard to be able to, to backtrack from. Yeah. Are, are those things that you talk with parents about and new moms pretty frequently? Yeah, yeah, because a lot of times on Instagram or Facebook, people are posting pictures of their whole pile, their stash of breast milk of like, look how great I'm doing. And then they feel like they need to be doing that. And we really should be looking at, are we supplying enough for our baby at that given time or for that given day? So really looking at those wet and poopy diapers. So the first week or two weeks, right, we're focused more on the poopy diapers. What do those look like? Um, and then our kidneys start to really kick in and we start to have more and more wet diapers. Um, so look at how heavy those diapers are. How frequently are we having them? A good rule of thumb is every time we feed our baby, are we changing a diaper? Because it's a lot easier to remember the abnormals than the normals. Yeah. Um, and we're typically on top of feeding our baby, you know, every two to three hours. So if we're feeding every two to three hours, then that means that we're at least having a diaper that often, right? Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. And I think 
now there's a lot of apps and, and that that parents can keep track of or, you know, they're getting graphs from the hospital. I mean, but do you think it's, like you said, can they just simplify things and say, I'm going to feed every two to three hours and every two to three hours my baby should pee and poop? Absolutely. And then yeah. we know things are okay. Yeah, I mean, we all survived some way, right? Yeah. Like, we create technology to try and make our life a little bit easier, but sometimes it just complicates yeah. things. So I tell families, first couple of days, sure, use the apps or the graphs just to get us in a rhythm, get us in a new routine. But if things are going well, yeah. put it aside because it can just add more stress yeah. than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... That's a good way to know that your baby's getting enough food. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other keys and, and tidbits that you would give to parents um, about those early days? Like any complications or anything that they should definitely call the office or call you? Like what are some of the other things those early days of breastfeeding that are important to know? Yeah, so definitely if we're feeling like our baby is getting more sleepy, so newborns are sleepy to begin with, but if we're having a hard time waking them to feed, if we're missing those wet and poopy diapers, um, or if we're noticing like projectile vomiting, where it's, I say, your baby looks possessed, right? Like it's flying (laughs) out of their nose and their mouth across the room. Um, All of those things they should be calling their healthcare provider about follow-up. And then the other thing that we need to think about is breastfeeding and breast milk go hand-in-hand with jaundice sometimes. And so when we're feeding breast milk, our baby may look a little bit yellow, but if we're feeling like they're becoming more and more yellow or more jaundice, that's another indication for them to follow up with their healthcare provider. What's a good way for them to check for that? Um, You know, is it just the color of their skin? Are there other things they can look at to say like, oh, well, gosh, they are yellow. Yeah, so definitely color of their skin. Um, A good rule of thumb, look at their nose, right? If you push your finger on their nose, that underlying kind of color when you initially do that pressure, how are things looking? Um, Again, if they're becoming more sleepy or missing feeds, Again, if we're aiming for every two to three hours at that two-hour marker, if you try and wake them to feed and they're still sleepy, okay, try again in 30 minutes. Try again in 30 minutes. Just because they didn't feed at that two-hour marker that one time doesn't mean that they're necessarily more sleepy, but they're missing a full feeding. Um, Or again, those wet and poopy diapers. Good. Um, What about moms that are going back to work? Um, And so I would say most leave. not great in the United States, but Mm -hmm. most women are going back to work about 12 weeks. Um, Is there anything they should be doing to prepare for that? Yeah, so there's no reason for us to create this large stash of breast milk ahead of time. Really, about a week to two weeks prior to heading back to work, we should start to get our body used to a stimulation outside of our baby, right? Like, if we're already pumping, that's kind of one thing. But if we've been exclusively breastfeeding prior, then we need to get our body used to a different type of stimulation like our pump. And so trying to pump one to two times a day, really about 10 to 15 minutes, so a little bit less than a standard pump time can be helpful. 
Um, the other thing that I really like is, because I always want to figure out a way to kind of hack the system, yeah. is using something called a, a haka. And so it is marketed as a manual pump, but really it's a passive milk collector. So once we feel like we've kind of established our lash and we're feeling pretty good about breastfeeding, we can start to implement uh, some sort of milk collector like the Haka. You put it on the opposite side of what side you're breastfeeding on and it just collects that milk that you would already be leaking. And yeah. so I have some moms that are like, I don't leak whatsoever. N- you know, not not at all. And so then they put the Haka on. They're like, oh, I actually am losing <laughs> quite a bit of milk. Um, and part of that is, is some women, their milk ducts don't collapse down as easily as other women, which means then they're leaking a little bit more. But as soon as you put the suction of the haka on there, it pops things open and gets kind of that stagnant breast milk out of those ducts and collects it. And so it's a really easy way to get half an ounce or even maybe two ounces per feeding. You don't even have to do it with every breastfeeding session. Um, But that's a good way, as we know, we're heading back to work of, oh, at least I've been doing that. So I feel a little bit better about having some of the extra breast milk for a rainy day. I know we have a lot of literature um, handouts for parents about breast milk storage. Can you give us just a quick, like, how long is it good at room temperature, refrigerated and frozen? Yeah, so um, breast milk at at room temperature is good for four hours. So if we're feeding every two to three hours, you can essentially just take that breast milk that you pump and wait or you express and wait for that next feeding. Um, As far as for in the fridge, it's good for four days. And then in a regular freezer that's like attached to a fridge, it's good for six months. If you have a deep freezer, it's good for a year because you think about just how much traffic is coming into that deep freezer right. just not as much right, right. but once you thaw that breast milk it does decrease the time in which that milk is considered um viable so as soon as you thaw it out and warm it it's only good for two hours mm-hmm. as soon as that baby's put their mouth on it they have oral bacteria it's only good for about an hour and so don't reuse it exactly yep only heat that bottle once no more otherwise you could potentially increase the bacteria in that milk unintentionally and make your baby pretty sick oh good advice um i think one of the other questions we get a lot from new moms is why is my baby so gassy and he seems like he's upset and is it colic tell us a little bit about that Yeah, I mean, this is a common, common complaint, and especially that first, like, four to six weeks of life. Now, keep in mind, babies are born with a relatively sterile gut, and so they're developing all that microbiome, and so it definitely can make babies pretty gassy. The other thing is, I hate to say it, they don't know how to fart. Um, (laughs) When we pass gas, which gas is normal, we engage our core, or we use our abdominal muscles to try and pass push that gas out and babies just don't have abdominal muscles that's why or they're not able to use them which is why tummy time is so important so you're asking them to move this gas bubble and they have no idea how to and so 
of course they're going to be gassy. The other thing that we need to think about is why do babies get gassy? And a lot of times it's because they're crying. It's not the food that we're eating. It's because they're crying because they're either overstimulated, they're hot, they're cold, they're hungry, they have a dirty diaper. And the first two weeks of life, babies, as we know, are very sleepy. Um, part of it is, is that they get overstimulated. And so their way of coping is kind of shutting down their nervous system, sitting, you know, between feedings, they just kind of go into that sleep mode. After about two weeks, they start to wake up more. And then all of a sudden they were in this warm jacuzzi bath in utero, right? Nice and kind of muted sounds. To all of a sudden we have potentially siblings at home, we have visitors, it's yeah. bright. And so they start crying and then they take on more gas and then their belly feels worse. And so they cry more. And so it's just this vicious cycle. Um, but kind of going back to the foods, more often than not, I have families that are like, oh, it must have been the broccoli I ate. Yeah. But think about foods that make us gassy. They make us gassy because they likely are high in fiber. Yeah. And fiber is digested by our GI tract. And hate to say it, fiber doesn't go into our blood supply, or at least I would hope it wouldn't. Right. Um, and so vitamins and minerals definitely do. So we need to think about supplements that we're taking. So going back to those lactation supplements, yeah. if we've recently started those, they're causing us GI issues. They could definitely cause our baby to have GI issues, but it's definitely not that broccoli and it's most likely not that milk. When I think about a baby that has a, a cow's milk allergy, I'm looking more for, you know, rashes. Are yeah. they having like green frothy poops or mucus or blood in their stool? Right, right. I'm not looking because they are gassy. Right. I mean, that's part of newborn development of dealing with gas and right. so right so advice would be don't do this massive elimination diet or switch formulas just let the baby get through knowing that it's normal yes absolutely now after six weeks we can have kind of more of a conversation but don't deprive your body of nutrients because yeah. it's then just going to make your breast milk not as high quality as we would like right. um a lot of moms may want to have some wine or a cocktail. Uh, yeah. Is it safe to do while you're breastfeeding? Absolutely. So think about when we drink, our baby should drink. And you're going to get a lot of funny looks about this, but it really comes down to it takes about 30 minutes for any sort of substance to get into our blood supply. Like I said, breast milk is made from our blood supply. So if it takes about 30 minutes to get into our blood supply, it's gonna take 30 minutes into our milk. And babies are on average are feeding 20 to 30 minutes, depending on how old they are. Um, and so if you start that breastfeeding session as you're starting to drink, by the time your baby's done, that alcohol is just starting to get into your blood supply. Then it lasts in your blood supply or your milk supply for about three to four hours for like a standard drink. So drink in moderation, but don't pump and dump because all you're doing is increasing the stimulation. So if you need an extra stimulation, sure. But I would rather you try and push your baby off if again, within reason, depending on their growth to help um, wait until that alcohol is starting to get out of your system and then go ahead and feed your baby. But totally safe, no need to go on, you know, complete 
no alcohol um, for any longer than than you have to. That's awesome. Thanks for being here, Megan. Yeah, and thank you. Have you have great advice, and thank you again for joining us. Um, I hope you enjoyed as much as we have. Um, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Play, Google, and Amazon Music. Thank you.